Well, hi, and welcome back to another edition of the Pastors Podcast. Uh, I'm Bob, joined once again with Matt and Todd, um, and we are coming off of a nice summer break where we were not uh, producing any podcasts. Um, we took some time to uh, think of some new stuff and how best we could serve the church over the course of the next few weeks. And so uh, the series that we're going to start now will run about 15, 20 weeks, and um, it'll be a new series that we're doing. We sat down and, and kind of mapped it out over the last couple of weeks. So I'm um, really excited to be back with you. Had a nice summer break. I hope you did as well and uh, ready to get back into the swing of things. So I am actually really excited about the series that we're going to do. Uh, super practical, and uh, I think it's going to be really helpful for the church and, and for those who you know, just desire to live a godly lifestyle. Mm. And uh, so our new series where... Uh, it's going to be the phrase Coram Deo, um, and then uh, where, where faith and life intersect. And so we're going to be real practical about what we're, uh, what we're talking about and uh, hopefully really uh, injecting some biblical truths, biblical principles into people's lives so they can, they can live in such a way that honors God. Yeah, it's really our heart as a pastoral team and an elder team here is we, we want to do these podcasts uh, not for... Uh, the generic evangelical world, we, we have our church in mind. We have the people of our body in mind. And so if you happen to be listening, you're not a part of our church. That's wonderful. Welcome. But our discussions are kind of centered around what would be best and most helpful for uh, the sheep of Maranatha Bible Church and how can we serve them and how can we help them navigate life in this fallen world and just thinking through all the uh, troubles and difficulties and hardships mm. that we're facing. We want these to be very practical. We want them to be um, intentional. We want them to be useful to the life of our body to promote our own holiness and growth and maturity. So that's really kind of what we're doing. And I agree with you. I think this topic is going to be a great topic. Mm. I think it's going to be a topic that uh, really forces us to think through uh, how we're living the Christian life, not just on Sundays, but uh, every day of the week. And so I, I think this is kind of one of those boots on the ground, um, <clears throat> real practical topics. So yeah. I'm excited about it. Yeah, it's amazing how, like, as we're going to start going through this, how many facets, really every facet of the Christian life is going to fall kind of under this umbrella. Yeah. This is really an umbrella term for the Christian life. Um, I mean, we'll get into things like motivation, accountability, all these things, you know, living before uh, the Lord. So, I, yeah, I'm excited to see where this is going to go. Yeah. Yeah, so for those who aren't familiar, Coram Deo is a Latin phrase actually taken uh, from the Vulgate, uh, Psalm 5613, and David wrote, uh, For you have delivered my soul from death, indeed my feet from stumbling, and so that, or why did God do that? And so this is that phrase, Coram Deo, uh, so that I may walk before God. That's the phrase, Coram Deo. And then how is it that he is to walk before God? Well, David says, in the light of the living. And so... Um, that phrase has been around in the church since the Vulgate, because that's really when uh, it started getting popular. And so the the author here, David, just to kind of expand on that a little bit, he knew that God had delivered him from death there in Psalm 56. He says, you have delivered my soul from death, indeed my feet from stumbling. So God had done this for him. And then it wasn't just a random purpose. It wasn't an arbitrary saving of David. It was for a specific purpose. We love the so that clauses, at least I do in Scripture. <laughs> it gives you some pointed direction. And so why? What's the purpose of that? David said, so that I may walk. But not just walk, right? So you've got a nice preposition there, before God. 
And I think that's super important because God didn't just save us so that we can have a happy life. God didn't just save us so we'd have fire insurance, as they say. Mm. But he saved us for a specific purpose, to walk before God. And then the, the, the means by which we walk is in the light of the living. So David's actually adding all these phrases here, which gives us some real clear direction. The purpose of salvation is so that we may walk so that we may walk before God, and so that we may walk before God in the light of the living. And that's what we're going to talk about over the next uh, few months. Yeah, and I think what you said there, you know, particularly in that last part, the means by which we're doing it, in the light of the living, because you can hear that term quorum Deo, living in the presence of God. I mean, really every person does that. So yeah. whether you're saved or you're unsaved, you know, God is omnipresent. He's omniscient. He knows the heart of every man. You know, you Read Psalm 139. He knows the words that we're going to speak before we speak them. So in a sense, we're all living before the face of God. Uh, he knows everything about his creation. He's sovereign over it. Um, but this is, this is really a response to that understanding um, and coming out of the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So we understand that God is sovereign. We understand that God knows all things. We understand that God sees all things. And as those who have not been redeemed through the blood of Christ, we, we want to live in an honoring way, knowing that he sees, knowing that he's there, knowing that he's uh, all, all present. So. so the series isn't so much about the omnipresence or omniscience of God. We're not mm. going to really draw out all those attributes of God, but it's more so the implications of those realities, right? Yeah. So, it's the so that. <laughs> it's the so that. Yeah. So God is sovereign. He is omniscient. He is all present, and so therefore, what should our life look like as believers, right. um, and uh, how should that flesh out? So there's a sense in which you could say that Coram Deo captures the idea that all of life is about God, right? Th this is the essence of the Christian life. So you're going to give us a definition here in just a moment of what Coram Deo is, and uh, that's going to help us kind of get our feet under us. But what is this whole idea? I mean, define for us what Coram Deo is. Yeah, I stole this from R.C. Sproul, but I think he does a great job. Um, and he says, uh, uh, to live Coram Deo is to live one's entire life in the presence of God, under the authority of God, and to the glory of God. To live in the presence of God is to understand that whatever we are doing and wherever we are doing it, and there's the key, we are acting under the gaze of God. And then he goes, you know, God is omnipresent, so we're just we're just stating that there is no place so remote that can escape His penetrating gaze. Mm. So we uh, we oftentimes compartmentalize things, and our life is here, our life is here, not realizing that actually, as a believer, our and as Matt, you rightly said, everybody's life, but really the concerned part is a believer mm -hmm. who's living his life before God. And so your thoughts, your actions, your motives, the intentions, whatever you want to call them, everything that you're doing from the, the motive behind it to the actual doing of it is before God. And there's nothing that's hidden. God's not saying, man, I wonder why he's doing that. Like, God knows why you're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think oftentimes we forget those things. Yeah, you can kind of say that's the essence mm -hmm. of the Christian life. 100%. If you want to boil the Christian life down... I mean, this is where it gets so practical is what is the Christian life about? It is ultimately about living every moment of every day with a deep awareness that I'm living before the face of God. Yeah. So how should my speech be? How should my conduct be? How should my desires be? Uh, what should characterize my motivations, my, my dreams, my aspirations? I mean, everything in our life is somehow touched uh, by this reality, and so that's why it's such a comprehensive uh, issue that we need to really understand well. Yeah, you know, as you were speaking, we didn't have this in our notes, but as you were speaking, I was thinking, you know, you look at the Old Testament, 
and how many times are they commanded when you rise up, when you go to sleep? They had the phylacteries that they had to, to have. They had their annual um, you know, pilgrimages to uh, the temple or to Israel and, or Jerusalem. And then, so they had all of these constant reminders of God throughout the day. So everything that they did was giving them a reminder of God. And I think in our modern day society we live in, that's gone. Uh, perhaps we don't understand the purpose of the Old Testament to give us these examples, or we think somehow, you know, the idea of having God, you know, having these reminders of God around us is an Old Testament concept, so we don't need that now, even though we will see that's repeated in the New Testament. Um, but I think oftentimes we forget, like, God set these up for the nation of Israel and then subsequently for the church, but the nation of Israel to, to keep them mm. from going after other nations, which is why God could say, don't look to the left or to the right, right, when you're going mm. through these nations. And so I think we've lost that somewhere in our modern day culture, you know. Uh, and so faith and life intersecting. So not just Coram Deo, living life, your life in the presence of God or before the faith of, uh, face of God, but where your faith and your life intersects, right? And so really, as we've been saying the whole time, it's going to be a catchphrase, practical, right? Uh, we want to be able to have people walk away saying, yeah, I go through these situations, or this is a life, or this is a thing I'm experiencing, this is a sin I'm struggling with, this is a choice that I'm trying to, whatever those things are, and to be able to say, yeah, I need to make sure that I am exercising my faith during this time, right? So not necessarily faith as in saving faith, or not necessarily faith as in I know God's going to come through, but like faith as in the everyday living before God, that faithful life. Right. And, uh, and so as a Christian now, our lives are constantly intersecting with, with, uh, with faith as we're making these decisions on a daily basis. So how, how would you explain that to somebody? What kind of biblical example or um, kind of principles would you be able to, to kind of draw out for somebody to say, hey, what does that look like? Well, I think of, you know, we talked about this a little bit. Um, just an Old Testament example is Joseph. Right? His, I mean, we, we really get to see his life on display in the pages of Scripture, and obviously all of the things that he endured. Um, but obviously, we know that this principle of Coram Deo applied to him. He was living before the face of God, and you think of all of the things that he had to endure, and what he was—he was faithful throughout. Mm. And then you get to like the, what? I mean, getting arrested, or not getting arrested, but getting sold into slavery by his brothers, getting and what uh, arrested. What decision could he have made there? Say that again. What decision could he have made there? I mean, to essentially uh, abandon God, look out for his, hmm. himself and say, hey, what do I need to do to make sure I'm surviving? Let me right. get out of here. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, with Potiphar's wife and getting arrested and then, uh, you know, just this whole... Falsely accused. Falsely accused. Thrown this, this, into prison. Yeah. <clears throat> and all of this. <laughs> but, but what did he say at the end? You know, Genesis 50, 20. All of these things happen. I mean, if there was, if there was, you know, there's probably a handful of people in Scripture who say, like, man, if there was a right to complain about some, somebody right. had a right... It would be these people. But what did he say at the end, Genesis 50, 20? You meant these things for evil. God meant them for mm. good. So he had that perspective his entire life through all of these things, through years. Years of the things that he endured uh, while he was in Egypt. And he had this in, in mind. And this was, this was his motivation. This, why am I going to remain faithful? Why am I going to live uh, honorably in, mm. in, uh, in uh, the sight of the Lord? It's because he knew who he was and he knew that he was living before him. Yeah, I think of Daniel. I mean, he's one of my favorite Old Testament characters. And, you know, look how he lived his life, particularly in Daniel 6, as the people try to trap him and, you know, make laws against praying. And he's unfazed, like unfazed with the threat of death, being thrown to the lions. I mean, here's a man 
who just kept living his life before a holy God. And it didn't, it didn't phase him what kind of consequences he might face. He says, I am here to please the Lord, and I'm going to honor the Lord and let the chips fall where they may. And, and to me, he's just a wonderful example of this mm. principle played out. Um, he didn't live in the fear of man. He lived in the fear of the Lord. And, uh, you know, it says the law was passed to not pray. And what did he do? He went and prayed. <laughs> and that, he didn't just pray, though, by himself. Yeah. So it wasn't like he was doing it for show. Because I think a lot of times we don't realize this is the point of that Coram Deo. Like he, he himself was before an audience of one. Yeah. And he mm. could have said, well, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm going to do what the king said. And, you know, I'm going to follow the decree of the king. By himself, he still opens his window and he still yeah. prays. And yet what comes upon his consequences. You know? Exactly. Yeah, it's just an incredible example. And just a couple of key texts, yes, about Bible passages. Uh, you know, uh, Proverbs 5, 21 says, The ways of a man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he watches all of his paths. I mean, that is a comprehensive statement. And, and I'm convinced if we got that, if we really understood that and lived in light of that principle, it would revolutionize how we live. Uh, I think of Hebrews 4, 13, There's no creature hidden from his sight but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. I mean, what would happen if all of us really, I pray we do, but if we really understood those principles and those texts, how would it revolutionize how we live? And that's the goal. That's how we should live as believers. That's what we're shooting for in this, in this series is how do we get to a point where we realize that all of life is about God and from morning to evening, from winter to spring and everything in between, we're living as if God is watching, because He is. And so that needs to revolutionize the way we think and live. So what you're saying is we're not living before God just on Sundays, That's right. or just when we're in the midst of the church, right. or just when we're doing religious activities. That's right. But when we think that we're hidden, we're by ourselves, we think no one's watching. There is. Yeah. There's always one watching. Yeah, I mentioned that a couple of Sundays ago mm -hmm. in a message, mm -hmm. you know, and I just said, I believe, I am thoroughly convinced this is the ultimate accountability. It is. For the Christian. <clears throat> and again, I said it, you know, in that sermon, I'm not against accountability partners. I, I think that's wonderful. If, if you want a brother or sister to come alongside you, pray for you, and hold you accountable, and ask you hard questions, I mean, that's wonderful. Use the body you know, benefit from those brother-sister relationships. That's, that's how the body should function. But let's say you didn't have any of those accountability relationships. There's still a level of accountability that actually exceeds those relationships, and that's this, mm -hmm. that we live before the eyes of a holy God who sees everything that we do and knows everything that we, we think. And to me, that is the greatest level of accountability. And uh, I just am convinced that if a believer can grasp that reality, yeah. it, will, it will make them live in such a way that, as you said, it's an audience of one that we're seeking to please. Yeah. So you can live in private that way. You can live in public that way. And I think that's what keeps faithful believers from falling into sin in private. And isn't that, doesn't that happen too often? We think that no one's watching. There's no one peering over my shoulders. There's no one, I could get away with this because no one's here. Well, that's not true. There is someone there. Right. And he mm -hmm. is watching and he does know. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's why this is such a really critical topic. Yeah, I think of Psalm 51. You know, what does David say against you? You and you alone. You alone have I sinned. So, I mean, he could have kept these things secret. He could have covered them up, but he realizes, no, the, the one whom I can't escape, that's the one that I'm sinning against. That's right. 
That's the greatest accountability, absolutely. Yeah, and I think we downplay that. And uh, and I'll be honest, I, I'm thoroughly convinced that because we don't have immediate repercussions for our actions, we don't think God's watching. And so because in our own minds we've gotten away with the sin, because in our own minds, but we, we, we don't realize that point of the omniscience of God. We... We rely more on the forbearance of God than the holiness of God. Mm. We rely more on God's grace than we do on His righteousness. And so because of that, we're more apt to say, well, God's going to forgive me for it anyway. And while that may be true, um, it doesn't take away from the fact that you have not separated yourself from, from that communication, from that sweet fellowship that you have from God because you decided to choose that sin over God's honor and walking in holiness. Mm. And that's we're going to hit on that you know, pretty pretty hard throughout the next few months. I just uh, pulled an article by J.C. Ryle off uh, the oh, internet. You had to go to Ryle. I had huh? to go to Ryle. He is one of my favorites. Uh. But can I just quickly list some of these things? The thought of God's presence is a loud call to humility. So an awareness of the, the, the presence of God, the omniscience of God, keeps us humble. It keeps us from um, engaging in pride. Uh, the thought of God's presence is a crushing proof of our need of Jesus Christ. Uh, the fact that God knows everything and sees everything and knows the wickedness of my heart reminds me that I need a Savior. Uh, the thought of God's presence is a check and a curb on the inclination of sin. Hmm. It's what protects us from falling into sin, as we've hmm. just been talking about. Yeah. The thought of God's presence is a spur to the pursuit of true holiness. Uh, when we walk with God and we're living in that, in that sense, mm. it's a, what spurs us on to, to holiness. A couple more. The thought of God's presence is a comfort in time of public calamity, or you could even add private calamity. And then the last one, the thought of God's presence is a strong consolation in private trial. So um, just such a good reminder that that's what we're trying to get at. So those last two, right? So we're going to be talking about the three, three topics, right? One of them is going to be suffering in the sovereignty of God. We oftentimes equate living before God's face in a judgmental way. So we automatically assume fear of God, I'm going to get, I'm going to get banged with a gavel or whatever. But as Ryle hits on there, living before God's face actually brings massive amounts of comfort. Huge. Because you're before your heavenly Father, your loving Father, your gracious, merciful Father, and if He knows what you're going through, what a comfort that yeah. is to yeah. be able to now come alongside you. So, don't take it wrong as if you know living before the face of God is just this. Oh, what a drag! You know, like I can't do anything fun. And where is you know? That's not what we're talking about. The flip side is, man. You've got the God of all creation, the one that formed you in the womb, the one that made you and knows your inner being. Who better to come alongside you as a great mm -hmm. physician than that's the right. one who knows everything that's going that's on? Right. That's good. And that, that first one with Ryle, it made me think of, you know, in our day and age, we have this, you know, idea of a guy, he walks into a room and he's the smartest guy in the room, right? And he's looking around, he's like, yeah, you know, look at me, I've got the degrees, I've got... You know, I've got all the knowledge, but it's interesting what Ryle says there. The presence of God keeps us humble. humble. So you're never the smartest guy in the room. <laughs> Even when you're by yourself, That's you're true. not the smartest guy in the room. So as soon as you think you've got it figured out, remember you don't. Mm. Because God's in there with you, and He actually does have it figured out. Exactly. Right? So I think those are good by That's Ryle. It's really good. So then we have to ask ourselves, um, you know, and Matt, you hit on this too, and I just want to read this quote, ask ourselves about life and what that looks like. And Sproul, once again, Sproul does a great job with this. And uh, um, so the, the, the first quote was from him. This one's from him as well. And it, it says, The Christian who compartmentalizes his or her life into two sections of the religious 
and the non-religious has failed to grasp the big idea. And he says the big idea is that all of life is religious or none of life is religious. Mm. To divide life between the religious and the non-religious, he says, is sacrilege. And so if, we're, if we are born again, if we have the Holy Spirit living in us, if we've repented of our sin, we put our faith and trust in Christ for the salvation of our soul, the Bible says you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. God himself is living inside of you. Mm. Now everything that you're doing you are a representative, you are an ambassador of God mm. and to the, the onlooking world. So everywhere you go, everything you say, everything you see, everything you touch, all of those things now as a representative of God from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to sleep. Mm. And as you were saying, every season of life, right, then we are there. And I think we need to make sure we hammer home the point that we cannot compartmentalize our lives. You cannot have this hidden part over here. When I'm on vacation, I'm not a Christian anymore. I'm going to do things that I normally wouldn't do. But I, I, I wouldn't normally do these, but because my context is different, I'm going to go ahead and do those, and that's okay. right? And so now we're getting into the idea of you know, subjective morality, mm -hmm. and, and mm -hmm. we're no longer focusing on the holiness of God. We've actually just started focusing on ourself. Right? And so we want to make sure we hit that home. Yeah, because you can't really have your foot in both camps. That people think that they can be two different people essentially, but there's there's always a strong line that, that, that you know you can't straddle. You know, you think of Romans twelve; it's a classic text. You're either right. being conformed to the world, mm. or you're being transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's right. And That's how are you? What's the what's the root of all that? Is your your whole life is a spiritual sacrifice of worship? So there's there's a holistic sense. Your whole life is offered as a sacrifice to God, and this is how you're doing it. So. Really, those who think that they can compartmentalize their life are really just fooling themselves. Yeah, yeah, and there's danger. There's danger in that too, yeah. and we'll hit on that. So, how <laughs> how we act when we are all alone tells a lot about who we are. In fact, I've read several times it says, you know, the things you do when you're by yourself, or the things you do when you're no one looking, is the true who you That's are. Who you really are. <clears throat> yeah. Mm -hmm. So, why does it matter? So that's what we need to ask. So we've we talked about Quorum Dea, we talked about some examples in Scripture, we talked about a little bit about what it actually is, but I want to dive in these last uh, 10, 15 minutes or whatever and talk about why does it matter? Why should somebody tune in to listen to this and why should we be spending our time week in and week out putting these things together? Well, I think we have to, in answer to your question, I think we have to think about what, what keeps us from Quorum Deo. So what are some of the things that we're having to battle in this life that prevent us from living before the face of God? And I think this is important because Quorum Deo, in a sense, counters uh, what is taught in the world today. Essentially, if you just live in this world, what is the world telling us? Live for yourself. Live for this life. Live for the, the pleasures and the pursuits of of this light, you're essentially breathing God-ignoring air by living in this world, right? That, that's, the, that's the culture that we live in. Yes. We live in a world in which God is totally absent. Yes. So just by being in the world, we should not be of it, but just by being in the world, we are naturally um, in, engaging in a, a philosophy of life uh, that is surrounding us, that teaches us to not think about God. And instead, the opposite, it teaches us to promote ourselves, to live to ourselves, to uh, love ourselves, to 
you know, live for what's temporal and fleeting. Let me, let me just emphasize the point you just made, which I think most people don't believe or know, but you kind of went over it quick. The world is teaching us. Yeah. So mm -hmm. it's not a neutral world. No. So a lot mm -hmm. of people think I can just live in this world like I'm on a lake and sit in the middle, but you're actually on a river and the world is taking you. Yeah. And so you are actively being taught how to live a life that is contrary to God. That's right. Yeah, mm -hmm. so I just wanted to emphasize that. I think it's super important. Yeah, it, it is. It's just the nature of living in a fallen world. We're constantly being bombarded with worldly philosophies, worldly realities. Look at social media. Look at media in general. Look at the entertainment industry. Look at what's on TV. Look what's on uh, the Internet. I, I mean, most of that, all of that, that's not done with a biblical perspective, is simply done to force us to, to adopt worldly ideologies, mm -hmm. right? And so if we're not careful, we're going to find ourselves, as you mentioned, conformed to that. Mm -hmm. we're, we're being pressed into that mold, right? Yeah. We're just naturally by living in this world. And so in order for us to counter that and all that goes with that, we need this. Mm -hmm. So this is part of being transformed by the renewing of our minds. The only way we can live Coram Deo is if we're we're fighting upstream, we're swimming upstream, um, and so these are some of the challenges. I mean, just think about what the world tells us: live for your comforts, um, live for money, live for possessions, uh, live for whatever accomplishments you can gain in this life. Um, there's there's worldly cares that bog us down and weigh us down, and just the troubles and trials and vicissitudes of the of the human life. All of that has a way of clouding our view. <laughs> of God. And so I think that's the that's the milieu in which we live. That's the atmosphere in which we live. That's the air that we breathe by living in a fallen world. And so the only way we can really counter that is by thinking correctly about these things. Yeah, because I, I would venture to say every person could fill in that blank, a quorum something. They're living before yeah. the eyes of something, yeah. someone. Generally, it's probably self and self-comfort and all those things. But if you're taking God out of that, there's, there's going to be something there. Yeah. It can't just be blank. Um, so we have to say, okay, am I, am I living before the, uh, before the face of God? Am I doing all things with eternal perspective, wanting to please that audience of one? Or am I living before myself? Or you know, think of like, hey, I'm going to live before my boss, so I'm going to do things to impress him. You get in fear of man, all of it. I mean, you can just see the implications and the tributaries that come off of this. Uh, but, but I would venture to say everyone has something there. Yeah. So we need we need to challenge to say what is it for me? That's right. Is it Coram Deo or is it something else? Mm, well said. Yeah, and I like Matt. You brought up the Romans twelve, and I think what we don't understand there so much is the the action that we're called to as believers, because as Paul says there, do not be conformed. So that's the you know the prohibition that's put there. Do not be conformed, but so I know you have this adversative, right? So it's or it's uh, showing something that's opposite. But rather do this, be transformed. Well, how are we transformed by the renewing of our mind? And so what you guys are both saying is either our minds are going to be influenced by the world, and we're going to just allow that thing to come in. Or we are going to take that stance and say, I am not going to be conformed to the world, but I'm going to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. And I always find it fascinating because he's got to sow that clause there. So why? What's the purpose of being transformed? Well, it's the question that we probably hear more than anything else as pastors. What's the will of God for me? Well, has your mind been renewed? Because so that you may prove 
what the will of God is. Mm. And then that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So if you want to walk in holiness, if you want to walk in the will of God per perfectly, your mind needs to be renewed. And you can't do that by just sitting there and taking it in and being, you know, very, very lax in your Christian life. You have to be able to put in that effort. Um, and so the the things that draw us away, and I think the, you know, if you just sit back and, and think, okay, what am I putting, um, what is my motivation behind what I'm doing? And you just think about every instance, right? We're not saying don't take a vacation, but take a vacation to the glory of God. Mm. You know, like God gives mm. us rest. God says to rest, and that's a good thing to, to take a rest. You know, these getting a promotion at work doesn't say, no, 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 to the glory of God, I'm not going to get a promotion at work. I would actually argue you as a believer should be the first one on the list to get a promotion because you're working for the glory of God, not for your boss's approval. If you work for the glory of God, there's a good chance you're going to blow by your boss's approval because he's going to say, man, look at this guy. He's putting in the effort that nobody else is, right? And so then that promotion does come. Uh, and so we're not saying these things that that you get or benefits of life or blessings of God are bad things. It's the, are you, as you said, are you doing it because you fear your boss? Mm -hmm. Well, now you've lowered your standard because you're just trying to please your boss. Mm -hmm. Well, not, that's easy, but are you really trying to please God, the one for whom you really are walking before? Yeah, so I mean, as we talk about with most of these things, it needs to start in the heart. And I think of Psalm 19 where David says, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Yeah. Not anyone else's. She's not writing to me? <laughs> in Bob's sight. I don't want to say that. No. Oh, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So it has to start in the heart. Well, what are we meditating on? So, I mean, it starts inward before it's going to be evidenced outward. I mean, we talk about that. It's fruit and root, right? Yeah. Um, so so even what we're, well, you know, what we're talking about, what we're taking in, what we're being transformed or conformed by, um, it has to start there. And then there'll be evidence in how we're living. Yeah, and I like Isaiah 43, um, you know, as I was reading this and putting this together. And I think it's so great because, you know, why were you created? So we're talking the, the big existential question, right? Why like, am why am I here? What is this? And look at what, I, what uh, the Lord says to Isaiah. He says, everyone who is called by my name and whom I have created for my glory. So can you say that everything in your life that you're doing is for the glory of God. Even the, the smallest things, you're fixing a light bulb for your wife, are you doing it for the glory of God? From raising your children, are you doing it for the glory of God? Because ultimately, if our life is lived before God, which it is, then are we seeking that everything that we do is for the glory of God? Mm -hmm. And really that's why God said he's created us here. And then uh, lastly there, um, just once again, you know, we're going to get very practical. So the the overall focus of the podcast is to say, hey, how do we take these things that we all deal with, right? We're not sitting here saying we have this all figured out. Uh, but it is something that uh, we believe every Christian should be working towards, striving towards all of those things in their life. Um, and so it's it's basically how do I reorient myself to making sure I'm living for the glory of God before the face of God. And so practically, we want to just draw those things out over the next few months. What are some of the things we're going to talk about? Uh, well, the first one we're going to hit on is what does life look like as a uh, ha having your identity in Christ, right? So as a new creation in Christ. And I think 
you know, if you just did a search of all the times Paul or the New Testament writers said in Christ, like you're just bombarded because there's this, you're a new person now. You know, Colossians, you quoted the verse on, on a Sunday, I believe, where the flesh has been cut away, you know, and, uh, or maybe it was in, in the seminary. But um, so the, the idea is you have a, you are actually new. So if you have a new person, or if you are a new person, then you have to have new objectives. And so what does that look like, uh, walking? And then the second one, uh, second kind of shorter series we're going to talk about is then that suffering and the sovereignty of God, and which I think is really important. I think in a world we live in today, uh, there's a lot more suffering. And I think uh, it, it, drags, it drags on people's hearts. It pulls their hearts down. Um, not only if you are suffering, but seeing suffering, yeah. you know, and so you hear that question a lot, like, I thought God was a loving God. How can a loving God allow suffering? And mm-hmm. so I think it's very important. And then uh, the last one we're going to talk about, which I think will be another fun, fun little topic is, uh, you know, living with a heavenly mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, so what does that look like as well? Good. Looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. So anyway, we do have a lot of those those three categories. And then in those categories, we got multiple different topics we're going to talk about as well over, over the course of the next several weeks. So um, I hope it's a blessing to you guys. Uh, we look forward to uh, walking through these texts with you and, and seeing exactly what it is that the Lord has. Um, because obviously we want to encourage everyone to live a life for the glory of God. So. Amen.